0: Welcome to the Gut Connection with Brian Jerby MD where we discuss the connection that gastrointestinal health has with all of health. We review the latest research and interview the greatest minds in this rapidly advancing field of gut health and integrative functional medicine. Please keep in mind that this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for care from a licensed medical professional this podcast is provided on the understanding that this does not constitute medical advice or other medical services if you would like more information about dr jerby and the type of medical care that he provides please visit dr jerby.com that's d-r-j-e-r-b-y.com now let's get to this episode of the gut connection Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Gut Connection Podcast. I hope you're having a great day, and I hope what we talk about today makes your day even better. Today, we're going to talk a lot about the human microbiome, which is one of my favorite topics, and we're especially going to talk about the portion of the microbiome that is in your gut Okay, because this is called the gut connection for a reason. So, to get started, uh, what is the microbiome? Well, when we say the word microbiome, what it means is all the microbes and what they make or their metabolites. You know, microbes include bacteria, fungi, even viruses, and the metabolites are what these organisms produce. And I've looked recently at the number of research articles that are listed in PubMed and uh, the ones that have been published over the last year that deal just with the microbiome. And it was a jaw-dropping 24,968 research articles published in the past year on the microbiome. And so maybe that is an indication of how important it is. And as you might imagine, with that number, it could be very difficult to keep up with the research. But health practitioners are doing a pretty poor job overall of applying the available research to the clinical practice. And I know many of you out there are reading some of the stuff that is published about the microbiome and are definitely amazed and fascinated by all of this information. In fact, I had a patient the other day, 23 years old, has a business degree, a great job in, in his field, but is totally fascinated by the microbiome. And now he's seriously considering going back to medical school and specializing in the microbiome. And you'll say, wait, there, there's not a specialty in the microbiome. Well, don't think that that's crazy. Um, because the microbiome will definitely be a major factor, factor that is going to be considered in, um, in healthy people in the next 15 years. Um, why do I say 15 years? Well, because as you might know, studies show that it takes about maybe 15 to 17 years for good research to become standard clinical practice. However, if you're like me, you don't want to wait for 15 years for this to happen. And so what we are going to do today is talk about some of the things that research is showing and how it might be important for you to explore your microbiome since it may have a major impact on your health both now and in the long term. Well, you're big question might be, how do I find out about my microbiome? Well, there is no perfect way to get all the information that we can get out of your microbiome because it's very complex, but we can get a pretty good idea of what's going on with your gut microbiome through none other than a stool sample. And now if you're one of my patients, you'll, you will you probably have been asked by me to submit a stool sample for analysis. Believe it or not, many, if not most conventional practitioners, even gastroenterologists I know, that's surprising, right? But even gastroenterologists have questioned and even poo pooed, no pun intended, the the utility of the comprehensive stool analysis. Sure, they They might ask you to submit a stool sample to look for things like dangerous bacteria that's associated with food poisoning or something like that. But finding out what your balance of good bacteria versus maybe not so good bacteria, um, that may bring an eye roll if you suggest that uh, that be tested. Even some functional medicine, so-called um experts uh who have podcasts um m- many well at least some have suggested that stool testing has limited utility and um I would I would name names but um I'm not going to but if you listen to podcasts that have a lot of GI topics then you you know pro- you probably know some of those who whom I'm talking about well I've used stool testing for years, and have found it to be very useful in finding the root cause of people's GI problems. And we can de- identify things like digestive abnormalities, such as you know, like low stomach acid, decreased pancreatic enzyme secretion, or just a, a, some to, some things to name. There are findings on stool tests that suggest that you're not absorbing uh, your food properly, such as high levels of fecal fats or even proteins. And we can detect levels of good bacteria to a certain degree. We look for parasites, even though those aren't usually identified. Um, we look for uh, unsuspected inflammation and, and sometimes even blood is found. I found blood um, on a patient the other day that, that um, could indicate a problem. Um, it also shows high levels of immune activity in response to some abnormality or in the environment of the gut. So suffice it to say, there are many other things that it tells us, uh, but the point is that comprehensive stool analysis can be very useful when you're looking for root causes of gut problems and and other problems as well not just gut. And if you if you just want to listen to symptoms practitioners this is for you. If you just want to listen to the symptoms and then guess and throw some treatments that uh might work and see if it works then you know good luck. Uh you might get lucky but if you see some improvement it still doesn't tell you what the root cause was necessarily. And there's no assurance that your g i problem then will not come back at a later date because you know all the factors that might be influencing your gut problem haven't been looked at so suffice it to say that I feel in my opinion that comprehensive stool analysis is very useful in the elucidation of of root causes of g i problems both acute and chronic. That being said, it does have limitations. And one significant limitation is found in the methodology that's used to identify the different microorganisms that are present. Until recently, um, or relatively recently at least, stool tests have used technology that was developed in the 70s, in the 1970s for the identification of microbes by certain by looking at certain sections of their DNA we, we called that 16S sequencing okay we also you know did some culturing or cultures to see if uh, we could isolate some of the other microbes that are present but you know it's it's pretty limited because you're you're only able to grow about 5%. Yeah, 5% of the different species that are present in stool. So that's a big limitation. The remaining 95% of the organisms won't grow in cell culture. So in other words, they if you were relying on culture, it, they would remain hidden, okay? Well, when 16S sequencing this this method that was developed in the 70s, um, using polymerase chain reaction or PCR-based um, uh, uh, technology, um, this uh, amplified a specific portion of the. And I don't want to get too technical here, but it it, it amplified a specific portion of the ribosomal 16S rna okay so the um there was a certain gene that was looked at okay um and the problem is some species have slight changes in their dna at the re- that the regions that were being tested and that fact prevented them from being sequenced in addition to some of these limitations, and again, I don't want to bury you in the details, but um, the the 16s gene, this method of, of looking at um, finding different species um, or different types of bacteria, um, it, it really prov- it provides very limited resolution um, to determine if the organisms are the same or they're different Um, this is because different species can have similar or identical 16s gene regions meaning that the test cannot be used to discriminate between them so despite the fact that those species can have highly different functions based on the the other genes that are determining their metabolic activity Um, you know, those differences aren't going to show up on the 16S region, okay? So, because of all these limitations, what this boils down to is, again, not bearing in the details, but because of these limitations of 16S sequencing, this, this type of sequencing is typically limited to resolve a microbial community to the genus level And cannot provide accurate species level resolution. And if you remember your high school biology, it's, you know, it kind of goes like kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Um, So we were really only able to accurately identify the genus and not the species. So um, that's an important limitation. Um, And uh you know, because of it we were you know, we were very limited in um what we could tell people. But fortunately, scientists have developed an alternative method that overcomes these limitations of that 16S sequencing. Okay, and this is called shotgun metagenomics. It's named af it's named shotgun because the random sequencing of multiple regions, not just the 16S, but multiple regions across the whole genome or the whole mass of genetic material. Like a, a if you shot a shotgun at a target, you know, you would see little tiny holes um, in, in the target, you know, kind of across the whole target. Um, it would hitting d- different individual parts of the larger target. So in, when you do that shotgun metagenomics or shotgun sequencing of the, all these different regions, it allows the entire genome or the entire mass of genetic material to be sequenced and not just that particular 16S gene. I hope that makes sense. So if you're looking at all the genes, instead of just one of the genes, you get a whole lot more info, information, which is what we're, what we need. And that's the point of this all. Um, so not only can we get information about the genus or the, you know, the, the type of bacteria that it is, we can also get information on how the this partic- these particular bacteria function in this particular case so we we get information about the functional capacity of the microorganism by identifying the, the metabolic regions of, of its genes okay and this enables, as you might imagine, really high resolution. So profiling of the the microbes in in the sample means that individual strains of of the same species can be pretty easily characterized and reported and you know that if you have if, let's say you're taking probiotics so if you look at the label sometimes on these probiotics you'll see that there are specific strains like um, a bifidobacterium or lactobacillus species strain such and such, okay. So even down to the individual strains of the same uh, uh, genus/species um, uh, that can be characterized and reported. So what this means is that you can take a swab of the residue on the toilet paper that you've just used to wipe your bottom and send it to a special lab that can then do this shotgun um, sequencing and do a metagenomic evaluation and give much more detail about your microbiome. That's exciting. Well, you might say, well, okay, that's interesting, but why is this important? Well, here's the answer in all this research that i that I've talked about, it's showing that there's an increasing number of diseases that are associated with changes in the gut microbiome um and these are in individuals with um you know with different diseases show significantly different gut microbiome um Uh, diversity as compared to healthy individuals and you know this is due largely to the fact that microbes can produce different biologically active metabolites and these metabolites these things that they make may play a role in um, whether you want to optimize your health or whether you want to get more information about how to treat an active disease. So in light of that, let's talk a little bit more about these metabolites that are produced by your microbiome. So these are small molecules that are released by gut bacteria when they break down fiber and protein and the such and the like. And um, they're, they're therefore called metabolites. They're products of metabolism. And if you heard the podcast about postbiotics, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. But the podcast that we had about postbiotics is very important and interesting and exactly what we're talking about here. these metabolites of of the organisms in your gut. So, gut bacteria have the ability to produce a large and diverse number of of these metabolites that can perform a variety of functions, such as maintenance of intestinal cells, um, regulation of immune responses, and even influencing your mood. Uh, some examples of these metabolites are like um, things like short-chain fatty acids. Um, some of those are are things such as butyrate, acetate, propionate. Um, those are short chain fatty acids. There are other molecules that can affect brain function, such as GABA and histamine. They're produced by they can be produced by by organisms in your microbiome. And then there's potentially unhealthy compounds such as TMA or trimethylamine which has been associated with heart disease, for instance, there's others, but anyway, these metabolites can be absorbed. Okay. So the bacteria make them and then they're absorbed by the intestinal cells and then they enter into this, the circulation and then are distributed to all parts of your body, you know, in addition, you know, and, 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 all parts of your body, okay? So um, not only does that happen through your circulation, but they also uh, can, can go through your vagus nerve. So to explain this a little bit more fully, there are some neurotransmitters that are produced by gut bacteria that can actually travel through the vagus nerve. Um, fun fact, the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the human body. But uh, and it's a two-way highway. Okay, so these gut bacteria produce neurotransmitters, which which are travel through the vagus nerve directly to the brain and influence brain function and mood and different things like that. And then, you know, what the, the neurotransmitters in that are made in the brain can actually travel through the vagus nerve and influence the function of the gut. So it's a two-way highway. But there's tons of studies showing that the your microbiome can affect your health, uh, your mental health, and your mood, and things like that. We can describe the relationship between the gut and other organs as an axis. And maybe you've heard about some of these axes or these different axes—is that it's axes, right? Yeah. So there's the gut-brain axis, the gut-heart axis, the um, the gut-liver axis, uh, the gut-kidney axis. There's just you know all of these different connections, and of course that's why we call this podcast the Gut Connection because the gut is connected to everything. So in addition to metabolites from dietary fiber, there's also metabolites from dietary protein and too much protein, um, can, can reach the large intestine when people consume more protein, um, than the small intestines can process and absorb. Um, so The metabolites produced from the breakdown of protein in the colon are kind of varied. Some are okay and some are not so good. Uh, some, Some are beneficial and some are actually promoting inflammation. And these might include things like branch chain fatty acids, branch chain amino acids, neurotransmitters, ammonia, hydrogen sulfide, a compound called indole, and then there's trimethylamine, of course, as we've already mentioned. So, like I said before, there is a lot of research that shows how the gut microbiome and its metabolites can play a role in different diseases. So, I'm going to divide these into five separate headings, which include, number one, inflammatory bowel disease, Number two, metabolic disease. Number three, cardiovascular disease. Number four, neurodegenerative disease. And number five, mental health. So let's first of all talk about inflammatory bowel disease. Metagenomic technology has allowed the comparison of the microbiome of people with Crohn's disease versus healthy individuals, okay? And th- this study showed a significant difference in those who had Crohn's disease since they had a microbiome that had a significant collection of, of bacteria that promoted inflammation. No big surprise. Uh, the, the derangement of the, of the ecosystem also produced decreased growth rates of the beneficial bacteria which might be a bit of a surprise and promoted the growth rate of certain pathogenic organisms. so anyway uh, it, it sped up the bad bacteria it slowed down the growth of the of the beneficial bacteria and um, that just kind of uh, sped up or or, or perpetuated inflammation. And there was another paper that was published that looked at inflammatory bowel disease patients that were starting out on particular biologic therapies. And, and biologic treatments are, are things like, you know, Remicade, tivio, Humira. And so these people, if they had a higher abundance of butyrate-producing organisms um, then they had a better response to treatment. And therefore their, their findings in this study indicate that the gut microbiome affects the success of the biologic treatment. And therefore, if you had your microbiome evaluated prior to the beginning of biologic therapy, it could actually help predict the success of the treatment whether or not the, the treatment would be successful also maybe you might be wondering why your biologic therapy is becoming less effective or losing its effectiveness it could be that your microbiome is changing for the worse and therefore making the biologic treatment less effective so that's the end of part one of this two-part episode, and if you're enjoying this, please, please give us a rating, a good rating on your podcast player, because that will allow others to find us more easily, and they can benefit from the same information that you are benefiting, and I certainly hope from the depth of my heart that you are benefiting from this, and if you Find that you need help and want to reach out to our clinic. Uh, we definitely would be uh, would love to talk to you, and uh, you can set up a uh, phone consultation with me to talk about your uh, your GI issues and and how we might be able to help. So that's it for this part of the episode but please tune in next week for part two of this fascinating topic have a great week see you next time bye bye and that ends this episode of the gut connection thanks so much for joining us and we'll look forward to having you back for our next episode where we'll discuss more gut related topics and interview leaders in this rapidly advancing field if you would like more information, please visit us at drjerby.com. That's D-R-J-E-R-B-Y dot Until next time, take care and may God bless you.